Live from the Stone Age, it's the Clan Fire, a primordial podcast about playing Gia, a prehistoric campaign setting for 5th edition. I'm Adam. I'm Finn. I'm Avalon. Ben. And tonight, we are going to do something a little bit different on the Clan Fire. We're going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek at some of our echoes of playing Gia. If you didn't know, playing Gia has a Patreon. <laughs> We've had this for a while. Uh, we haven't posted on it much recently as we wanted some breathing room until the main book is in the hands of backers and Kickstarter. Uh, but Echoes of Plain Gia is a project we put in together uh, sometime in the middle of last year or so um, to make supplementary Plain Gia content, such as adventures, new magic items, spells, and monsters. You might have heard of Echoes of Plain Gia on the Kickstarter. Um, as these adventures that we made as part of Echoes were made as... Uh, available through the Plain Gia Kickstarter. Um, but the rest of that content is available exclusively on our Patreon. I'm talking about those items, spells, and monsters that we made themed around a certain thing each month that we put together. Um, but as I said, we're not actively posting Echo's content there right now. So if you're interested in some of what we already posted or what we talk about tonight, uh, you can, if you want, go sign up for a single month of our Patreon um, and cancel as soon as you've got your hands on the content, because we're not in, in active posting mode. A um, little hi- life hack for you there. Anyway, uh, what we're doing tonight, again, is to show you a little bit of a preview into some of the content we've posted there that we're pretty proud of, and just to get some more eyes on it, see what you think, give us some feedback. That might be useful. But uh, tonight, we are going to cover both the expedition to the Icehook Peaks and the voyage on the Scatter Sea which were two-hour initiatives from separate months in Echoes of Plagia. Um, And usually before we get into our main discussion for the night, we have a news section. Uh, But alas, right now, most of us are just waiting with bated breath for Atlas to release Plagia Digital in all of its glory uh, as soon as possible, hopefully very, very soon, now that we're in February right now. Uh, But uh, while we're waiting, we might as well talk about Echoes of Plagia. So... Uh, we're going to start off with Expedition to the Icehook Peaks. Uh, this was our, uh, you know, Arctic uh, high mountain, all traversing the cold and the uh, the extremes of of temperature um, in the Icehook Peaks, which are on the eastern edge of Plangia. Um I'm going to read you here the kind of uh, pitch, the elevator pitch of the uh, the uh, Icehook Peaks expedition. The howling wind of the peaks are a frigid blast of doom to any who would dare venture onto their slope. This natural barrier of craggy spires is inhospitable to most, but those mortals who manage to scrounge a life out of the frost are hardened by the extremes of their home. If you plan on a journey to the Isook Peaks, it may do you well to bring with you some of the gear presented here. Prepare these magics and beware the creatures that prowl the slopes. So, uh, we made a bunch of magic items, some spells, and a bunch of monsters for this, uh, this expedition to the Icehook Peaks. I, myself, worked on some items and spells that I, I was really happy with. I had a fun time there. Dan worked on some of the monsters, and uh, Ava and Mike, uh, Ava and Finn both did uh, a lot of the kind of uh, editing and consulting work on some of the rest of this stuff as well. I'm the grinder, as always. Yeah, basically, you gotta you gotta throw stuff at the wall and tell him if it's good or not, and you gotta uh, ask Ava if a certain character decision works or if something works in her headcanon. 
so uh, let's get into some of uh, some of our favorite parts of this. Dan, why don't you why don't you pick something that you thought was one of the more fun things that you designed for this this month's Echoes? Oh, oh as far as designs go, yeah, I don't okay. know, or just something um, you liked. Sure, uh, I can. Well, monsters are are that's why I'm here. Uh, so <laughs> I'll I'll start by talking about one of those. Um, sure, go for it. Yeah, let's. Uh, we can open up by talking about the uh, the warmth drinker spirit, uh, which are essentially um, it's another kind of incorporeal undead that uh, sort of rises as uh, rises can can sort of be created when someone uh, dies of uh, frostbite or hypothermia. Um, and in my head is a bit of a as a bit of a, a forward to getting into this. Um, there is a lot of kinetic action and sort of that that uh, sort of epic adventure that gets tackled in a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the different sort of uh, just scenarios and, and areas of uh, Plangea. But um, in a lot of ways, the Icehook Peaks. While they have those elements of epic adventure, there are also definite elements of that sort of uh, the the sort of the the modern horror in the sense of like isolation and loneliness and uh, a lot of the things that sort of get touched on in the um, sort of the ice hooks are sort of like the are are playing Gia's Icewind Dale. Uh, in terms of that, like frostbound landscape, where you're you're sort of contending with uh, you're contending with not only the incredibly dangerous creatures that are also trying to scrape out a living there, but just with the weather and and the the sort of the constant threat of cold bearing down on you and hunger and in a prehistoric world where you're dealing with these things to a supernatural degree. Um, all of those sensations of like isolation and like barely hanging in, and uh, those are all like amplified because there isn't a house that you can just go to, you know. There isn't there isn't a shelter that is guaranteed to hold up against a blizzard or a winter storm. Um, so the warmth trigger spirit is uh, sort of can rise when a humanoid succumbs to the cold and goes uh, unburied. So they go unmourned they go uh they aren't they do not receive proper burial rites and um it's sort of the idea that it 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 tackles that really sad uh the sad reality of like dying frozen and alone somewhere where you know in a blizzard where the visibility is like a foot and a half in front of your face and you are so like just utterly alone and cold and and it that that's a really just harrowing experience i mean um, what's what's so cool about the, to me not to interrupt but is to is the idea that it's kind of embodying an emotion it's embodying yeah, kind of a fear yeah. and that's Definitely. i mean that's what all kind of undead things usually are or yeah. all things like that are but Definitely. i i like how much it tries to like you know focus in on that like that terror yeah and and and, and when these beings go unburied their spirits may manifest as uh these heat-seeking apparitions known as warmth drinkers and they are sort of uh desperately driven to seek the sort of relief and reprieve from the gripping cold that haunts them even after death and 
um, it's this like compulsion and it's not necessarily uh, malicious, but it's more like this, like this uh, desperation. And it, it's sad because they're not these like evil spirits. They're just trying to, to get away from this sensation of, of being frozen. And to do so, they will try to siphon heat from anything, whether it's a, whether it's a living thing or a fire of a torch or a clan fire. Um, one of the features, because because we're getting into it, and that's sort of the the big yeah. main feature for this thing, um, is its absorb heat feature. So, open sources of heat that fit within a five foot cube, such as torches or lanterns, are instantly extinguished within fifteen feet of the spirit. For each source of heat extinguished in this way, the spirit's current and maximum hit points increase by ten, and the damage of their cold aura, which we'll get to later increases up to a maximum of 1d12 uh the spirit retains these benefits for one minute so there's this idea that uh they can sort of turn the tools that a party is using in order to stay alive in these really in this like really threatening environment against them and they use them to empower themselves so it sort of forces a party to make a trade-off of like are we going to use fire to stay warm and if if we know we're going up against something like this how valuable is the warmth to us versus buffing this thing up and making it a really fearsome foe? Um, I, I think sort of forcing the putting putting the ball in the court of the players and letting them be the ones who make that choice, I think, is a, a, an important part of encounter design uh, when it comes to uh, being a DM and sort of having that opportunity sort of mechanically embedded in the stat block is something that i i wanted to try to accomplish when creating this monster um we haven't actually play tested it so i i at some point i would like to uh i would i would like to play my own monster that'd be fun um <laughs> of course you do but moving on uh yeah. cold presence uh it's the idea that they their very presence saps heat from the environment so uh, creatures of the spirit's choice that start their turn within a certain distance of it uh, take cold damage. It's just physically harmful to even be near it. Um, per usual for a spirit, it has incorporeal movement. And then uh, its different abilities are uh, a warmth drain where it just sucks the vital heat out of you. And uh, you sort of get embrittled and frozen and, and numbed up. And... Um, that's one aspect of it and then uh sort of the back half is uh just a sort of a cold stare that where it it focuses its its desperation and desire for warmth upon you and uh it's sort of where it where it looks at you sort of ice forms uh at this like breakneck pace and they sort of have this ability to encase the people they look at in ice um and then the last one, which is the most interesting part, is the frigid possession. Um, similar to a ghost's feature, uh, where it can possess a target, but while uh, while possessing a creature, the uh, the the possessed target gains the gains the abilities of the spirit. So, um, you know, if if like uh, a traveler got possessed. Um, it would be this human. It would it would appear as humanoid, though it would have the ability to harm people with how just the cold radiating from its body, 
and this you know this this possessed humanoid would also be able to pull the warmth from other people um and something that just is again getting sort of flipping back to design philosophy um having mechanically sort of in the mechanics of a creature having the ability to uh tell stories with features i think is a a really cool part of design um and so, i think yeah and i think i think between frigid possession and absorb heat there is a lot of there were a lot of opportunities for that kind of uh sort of that kind of like the story writes itself in terms of what this monster does and how um how these different abilities are are, are very uh provocative and just uh they can they're unique and they are specific and um they can be used to tell just really really interesting stories in terms of um sort of making monsters push a narrative forward rather than just serving as a resource drain for your characters yeah uh so yeah that's that's my bit for one of them right. um <laughs> if in ava or finn if you're looking through and there's anything that you want to comment on or really anything um, I agree with with what you were talking about about the the mechanics of a monster um, or creature uh, telling a narrative, and it's not like there's none of those in Five E, but there's a lot of creatures that just have you know like a big old multi attack and they smack things or they've got their spells. And I think that the fact that there are some creatures here that you've put together that are very much like they evoke the environment that they're meant to be found in, and uh, but also they like mechanically interact with it which is i think a, a good time because then um like you have it's not just like a white room combat it's you have you'll have uh players and dms both thinking about like how does the environment impact how this fight's gonna go because it's not just you know you're actually thinking like tactically about it you're not like actually just like reskinning something to look different it actually like has a different effect and it like has a different way of interacting with the environment like you're saying so that it's actually tactical um i love that you're right you're absolutely right um i wanted to talk a little bit about um to switch gears a tiny little bit here away from monsters uh we have some spells in the the expedition to icewood peaks which i really love i uh, myself made three of these but i a, a while back had an had um some ideas about making uh a, either a sorcerer or a wizard um, who was all themed around ice uh, and he was casting all these ice spells and everything. I was very disappointed when I looked through the spell list uh, for like wizards and sorcerers and didn't really find that there's good ice spells at every level and I was very annoyed. So what I wanted to do is make it so there's some more ice themed spells at some levels that would normally not really have any good options. Like, you know, there's the Cone of Cold, there's um, ice knife or whatever i don't know there's a couple good options but not like big good ice spells like there's no like ice spell that evokes summoning like a blizzard like you know there's ice storm and sleet storm but those are like they don't really do that much in my opinion at least i don't know they always felt underwhelming to me so i made uh, a a ice spell called ice vortex um which is a big spell it's a seventh level evocation spell it's got a 60 foot radius which is 
pretty much a whole battlefield. I mean, you're going to be able to cover everything. It's got a 200-foot range on the casting of the spell, and it lasts a minute. And it's all about just messing people up who are in it. Um, anytime a creature starts their turn in it, they have to make a constitution save or take some cold damage. Uh, for the whole minute, the area is heavily obscured. It's difficult to rain. They have to make concentration checks when they start their turn in it, like uh, Sleet Storm or whatever other spell that does that. But it basically just combines all of these icy kind of like, I want to be the guy who summons a blizzard um, to actually be able to do something. Because uh, some of those other spells just felt like, you know, one time thing and then it's gone or a little bit of annoyance and then it's gone. And it's like, no, we want to summon a blizzard. We want to keep people in it. We want to just keep battering them with, with hail fire, basically. Um, and that's, that was the idea generally for the site for it. I, I just found it to be a, a fun one to put together because it felt like it's filling a, a little bit of a, a kind of vacancy in the spell list. I have all the ice spells. I want. That was a good one for me. Yeah, those ice spells are fun, and uh, what I do appreciate about them is that there's actually, you did a good job in making sure that there is a pretty uh, nice spread in terms of what they're all capable of. Um, yeah. You know, it's it can be difficult sometimes to uh, think about the sort of, the application of themed spells in a way that isn't just... Um, that isn't isn't just like channeling that element to just blow things up. Yeah, it's not just reskinning um, a fireball to a exactly, ice ball. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and that and and that can be difficult sometimes because yeah. like you know it's 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 not. I don't think it's like an immediate. I don't. I like. I. I don't know. I. It wouldn't be my immediate like knee jerk instinct to be like okay. Um, I'm gonna make a fire spell. Um, how do I like? How do I incorporate a, a spell that uses fire? into like a supporting role or or like a or some sort of uh some sort of like buff or 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 a healing healing spell um and like you you start to think about like okay okay uh sort of like themes of like cauterization or um you know uh sort of the idea that like you can like stem wounds or like delay wounds by like it, it sort of getting getting into that uh getting into that mindset i don't think is really natural i know it didn't feel natural for me so yeah having you take a stab at that was really cool and it yeah. sort of opened my mind into how to do that uh you did that with uh cold embrace which was a oh, yeah. the idea of like you take your icy hot and throw that on a wound uh, <laughs> yeah and, it's, well, it's all about yeah that that's a fun one too i definitely love that one i mean it's a it's a reaction spell which it's not doesn't happen a ton in in 5e which i think is underutilized a lot of the time honestly there could be more reaction spells so that they kind of compete for your reaction as a caster more often um and it's all about protecting you and your allies um it's it's about encasing them in some protective ice um when they are attacked or uh uh, when they take damage from, so they could be taking damage from from like an area of effect spell and it could just be that it's one person making mobile attacks or something and then they get hit by one of them but uh they gain some temporary hit points uh when they're hit um so it's before they're hit <laughs> they gain the temporary hit points wait yes <laughs> because sorry did i design it yes i did um, which takes the, oh, the oh, triggering no. damage. No, I'm saying, did I design it correctly is what I was trying got to it, say got it. Did, did I make um, this spell? Did I make this? Yes, I did. Um, but no, yeah, so they, they kind of gain this a little like buffer um, on them that can take some of the spell. A little bit like um, 
armor of Agathis, except it doesn't return the the uh, damage to the to the attacker, um, and just you know it makes it so they're they're you know your, your party members who might be a little uh, more squishy can gain some extra HP as part of that. I think it's really fun. Um, it also leaves them a little bit vulnerable if they still have those temporary hit points. If they have the temporary hit points, they're actually still encased in a little bit of ice, uh, only for a round until they're uh, until they're the ice melts, which is at the they end. They thaw. Of the yeah, until they thaw. But that was a fun one, for sure. Um, why don't we jump around a little bit more? Also, Ava and Finn, feel free to hop in at any point with something that you you, you see that's fun that you want to comment on. I know you guys did. My job is so not involved in mechanics, which I love. Um, <laughs> I love I love hearing you guys like go off about mechanics. Like, this is so cool. And I don't really understand any of it. <laughs> that's fair. No worries. Um... But I don't know. I mean, like elemental anything in five E, I think is underused because um, yeah. it's just like if you're a wizard, you can't really be a fire or ice or anything wizard because you just have to like. I've, there are so many wizard spells. Oh my god! And if yeah. you want to, you're truly optimized. There's no you way you can't literally just take every fire spell and then be like, "Oh, I'm fine," right? Like, it's right. Bad. You're going to be kind of bad, probably at that point <laughs> if you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like I like the I like the kind of giving that icy ability, and this makes it a little bit like it makes it more valid. You'll still have like spells that aren't ice, but. <laughs> It makes it. It gives you the, the the ability to do so with, and it has like a good spread. I was looking at um the half wings flight of frost, um where you get an ice some icy wings, and also ranged spell attacks, which is just like yeah, you get to fling snowballs you, at people. Exactly. It's just it's just kind of a blast. It's you just get, kind yeah, of you get to relive fun. your childhood. Plus, that was, that was uh, Dan's baby there. That's a fun one, though. Definitely uh, giving you both mobility and a ranged attack is like, oh man, that is a fun, fun idea. <laughs> yeah, that was right? I, that was that ability was mostly me just being bitter about spiritual weapon being like mm. one of the most absurdly strong spells in the game and having it only be available to clerics. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm bitter like that, and I'm petty. Uh, so <laughs> want the the other casters to have a chance to do that too. Yeah, so it's basically a uh, basically a, a combination of some sort of like fly and uh, and like spiritual weapon. At least those were the two inspirations for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can but, use a bonus action on each of your turns and just yeah, another way to. I I kind of I kind of want to get into uh, lore a little bit about regarding the Ice of Peaks because uh, yeah, there was a name drop in that spell halfway. Yeah. Um, those of you who have listened to before, uh, Halfwing, you might be familiar, you might have heard of the Recusants. Um, my favorite <laughs> faction ever. Uh, as you, I have a little, like, a little Recusants tag in the Discord <laughs> server because I'm, I'm David's special boy. No, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate it. No, no I, yeah, 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 me too. Um, but Halfwing is a uh, halfwing is one of the uh, one of like the big bads of the recusants, and he's sort of uh, he's this he's this Saurian Leatherwing who has like one of his wings has been scarred and destroyed and deformed, so he can't really fly. So, um, you know, the, the flight of frost thing was just 
the idea is that it was a spell he made to regain his flight. It was a, a spell he designed and created uh, in order to sort of uh, make up for the fact that his own his his own innate flying capabilities had been uh, had been taken from him. Uh, well, and now that makes me realize that damn, it would be pretty cool to run a gambit of spells that like powerful spellskins created. Like yeah, that, like, like all of the leaders cool. of the sign of the hair and the recusants. Yeah, like having, yeah having have, have their own have their own spell. Ooh, yeah. Maybe cool. maybe maybe a future book. Ooh, we'll see. Maybe a future content book. That would be well, that'd be fun. We'll think about it. That is cool. But um, <laughs> Halfwing's Halfwing's domain is the Icehook Peaks, and he he operates out of the uh, Icehook Laboratorium, which is where he performs his uh, his his specific array of study on the. Uh, on the black taboos and his whole thing is that he uh well um he kidnaps people and he basically drops them into these uh massive arcane rat mazes and he he watches them and he watches as they try to navigate and find their way out and um you know it, it it's obviously very twisted and he's not a he, he's not a good dude and he's he's using these, really? these people uh, to know <laughs> believe it or not he's not a good guy Weird. <laughs> um, but he's essentially using these people as these like lab rats and all of these tests that he's running um and he's trying to sort of uh find people who are either sort of trained enough or talented enough that they might be strong enough to face off against the hounds of blind heaven and his his whole thing um and then there are some parallels there with like uh personality wise with like uh like strahd in a few ways where it's like i'm i'm looking for these people to sort of act as an almost uh like a like successor role or like i'm i'm trying to make them my tools and then they're going to succeed me and they're going to be my greatest success but the people never measure up because uh that's just right the expectation versus reality and halfwing always finds something wrong with whoever whoever he comes across whoever he abducts um and and even that whole act of abduction also plays into the sort of the themes that are present in the ice of peaks about the sort of loneliness and isolation and like not really knowing what's happening and being feeling feeling like uh the, the sense of separation and distance um and and that he sort of helps to amplify those those feelings and sort of adds a adds an antagonist who is uh not just the cold although the cold as an antagonist is uh it's a good one it's a good one for sure i love it yeah, halfwing is a lot. Uh, we did fight him in our home game. That was a, a fun time. But uh, he he's also you can definitely uh, see more of him in other content that we have uh, that's coming. Uh, not necessarily on the clan fire, but uh, the arcane maze is something that's out there that uh, will probably be coming as part of the Kickstarter. So good stuff. I um, I, you asked earlier about anything else, anything that stood out to me. Yeah. I I honestly think the highlight of the the uh, expedition to the ice took peaks is obviously our bucket of endless ice. Yes. And I won't I won't go into it in its entirety because that would spoil spoil <laughs> one of the best items. But, uh, <laughs> but 
but the bucket, I mean, come it's on. It's basically just a magical ice maker and yet so much more. I don't but also, enjoy it. about... It's just a fun common magic yeah. item. Those are the best. Good common I mean, ones where it's just like, imagine this. Because you don't have refrigerators. and absurdly useful, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, 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 very, it's super very useful. useful. And yep. there's there's plenty of funky ways to like make ice back before refrigerators or like modern refrigerators. Um, so it's not like, oh, they don't have ice in Plains yet, because they can absolutely have it. But I don't know, just magic ice boxes. It feels like <laughs> something that that would be that would that they'd have. It's it's yeah, really entertaining to me. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's, that's and that's also such like an an, advent- an adventuring group item in the sense where it's like like the group's relaxing at the hot springs or some shit. You know, they like find a hot spring and like they just have like the full sauna set up with them because they have this bucket of infinite ice. They can, just, you know, it's, chill their drinks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like the, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where like, uh, the 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 convenience of magic items can add a, a level of uh, can add a level of like humor and levity while also being something that is like oh that's like genuinely kind of neat and doesn't sort of break my immersion. Um, so yeah, I I do really like the bucket of endless ice. Yeah, it's it's a great one. It's one of the better ones for sure um i'm gonna let's let's go over to monsters again because there's a couple more monsters in here that i want to talk about um especially one of the ones that i uh on our last episode uh we took uh one of our segments to talk about golems um and it was a great uh talk that we had about all different types of things you could make golems out of uh and we have a golem in this uh in this echo we have uh the glacial golem uh, which is has a lot of things in in common with other golems. It's a construct, um, you know, it's it's got all these kind of you know immutable form, magic resistant, you know, type types of things you'd expect from a golem. But it's also you know it's made of ice. <laughs> it's got some seriously <laughs> frosty abilities, which I'm super into. Dan, you, I mean, you can give us a little bit of insights like you did with your other one if you'd like. Uh, yeah, really, really quick. Um, the idea behind the glacial golem was a obviously it's it's been carved from ice, um, and they can sort of I, definitely like uh, ice sculptures in real life are what inspired me for this one. So yeah, they can it's pretty awesome. so um, it's it's uh, because they're more rare. I decided to make it a medium construct like the flesh golem because like I think the other three that are, are in the large, monster manual are large. Right. Yeah, and we need more medium constructs um, that are golems. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're essentially these like human-sized ice sculptures, or uh, they might not even be—they might not even be like carved to resemble a human. They might be like a wolf, or or they might not be—they might be like crude and not beautiful at all, and be just like these like these misshapen, lumpy, sort of vaguely, vaguely humanoid, uh, just like chunks of of walking ice. Yeah. Um, and you know there there is that variety there um but, but they literally also have they could they could try to pass off as an ice statue too right yes yeah, they can, they have, they is, can literally is, just stand still yeah. and be like i'm just yeah. ice don't that is mind one of their me. things they can they can uh they just look like an ice statue and and you know if any most adventuring parties are probably going to go through a place smashing every ice statue that they see just yeah, well, once just they see one of, of these out of, yeah not even not even that just before that as a precaution but uh Oh yeah, when the DM describes an ice statue, it's not like you're gonna be like, "Okay, let's walk right up to it." No, yeah, they're, they're wow, gonna it's really it. pretty. I'm gonna get really close and like pull out my sketchbook. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I 
golems are generally I, I gave this golem has uh sort of the standard the standard uh set of slams but it also has uh some ranged options because those are very rare yeah, with golems. barely any golems have that yeah and uh it also has a uh like a, a big a powerful uh aoe sort of like frost nova ability that uh that you also tend to see in the higher CR, uh, the higher CR golems. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that one's sort That's of fun. A good one. That's yeah. A good one. And we're, there's another golem that we're going to talk about uh, once we get to our other echo we're going to cover tonight, uh, but we won't get to that yet. Uh, one thing I want to make sure we talk about before we move on to our next section also is um, the Wendigo. I don't know how much Dan you want to talk about. Uh, oh boy, stop behind this because I know you also said yeah. uh, to me earlier. Yeah, you want so, to maybe revise it a tiny bit. Or yeah. Something. So the Wendigo was um, when I when I made the Wendigo, I wanted to have a monster that was sort of recognizable in some ways and really unique in some others and. Yeah. Um, it has it a, a an, an origin in human mythology. Yep, it has uh, an origin in like human men. mythology. It uh, the uh, Algonquin the Algonquin myths uh, about yes. the, the the Wendigo, which is a uh, a sort of a cannibalistic spirit that is sort of uh, given rise through like human greed, and uh, it, it is sort of this representation of um, the harshness of of winter and how. Uh, and and how when things get really hard, the things people are willing to do to each other in order to feel safe and in order to have better chances of survival, um, yeah, which well, is yeah. a, which is a, a grim topic. Um, yeah, especially when yeah, we're talking yeah, about yeah. You know, Native Americans and yeah. the things that were done to them during winter or the months approaching right. winter, things like right. that. So again, you want to. We were talking a little bit about this earlier off the podcast, but. Uh, putting as much uh, care as you can into respecting the mythology of the people that originated the mythology as part of this monster yes. has had thought put into it and can yes. always and, have and, more. And this is uh, definitely, <laughs> and, and I'd, I'd, I'd like to revisit this one because I think just appearance wise, um, it's definitely sort of a, a hybrid between the Algonquin mythos and sort of the, European influences that uh, that sort of bring elements of the of like the the werewolf mythology and the werewolf yeah, origin story morph into... those together in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the idea but... behind the Wendigo is that they 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 rise from a curse and uh, they rise when a uh, when a mortal is forced to uh, is forced to partake in cannibalism, which is like a, a terrible worst case scenario um there's sort of this idea that the, the the land and sky itself twist around a wendigo's presence and uh storms are are violent and the land is dark even by day um plant life like twists and curls and it's sort of uh you know it, like wildlife gets like strangely aggressive um so you know very much in that sort of legendary legendary monster sort of uh like a, like a dragon or a beholder might sort of influence their environment with like regional yeah. effects yeah um and it's definitely a legendary i mean it's got it's got a lot of features that really bring out that effect on its environment and the, the effect that it can have on people around it i mean it's dangerous it's, it's not messing definitely. around um it's it's a 
it's a very interesting monster. Um, it's definitely geared more towards uh, like being that that like stalking uh, horror scenario monster. So when you're running the Wendigo, try to keep it uh, hidden for as long as possible and try to make it a mystery monster. Because uh, when it comes to running, uh, just running any game that involves horror and fear, um, the monster is always scariest when it's never seen and no one actually knows what it is because like the un the the unknown is the 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 best element of fear that yeah. you can use um and then you know once you've seen it once it's sort of out of the bag and then you can get into using its other features but it has a few features that really help it stay hidden and um sort of uh fulfill that that role of being the sort of predatory sort of uh supernatural uh intelligent in a very like human way um and just utterly remorseless yeah absolutely yeah so i think we're gonna cut it there on our talk about the expedition to the ice peaks that is a little sneak peek at some of the stuff that we have in store for you if you wanted to check it out on our patreon uh if you're feeling feeling cold feeling the feeling the the frost of winter and you want to get a little bit more of that into your D&D games, then head on over to the Plain Geo Patreon and check that out. Um, for now, though, we're going to move on to our next segment called Unexplored Lore, where we talk about a new or iconic monster item or spell through the lens of Plain Gia. And this week, we're going to talk about some monsters that are in the Star Shaman Song of Plain Gia, which are the many legs. Uh, the, uh, you know... There's 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 monsters in Plain Gia that are amazing. They're wonderful. They're wondrous. They're crazy large. There's also ones that are many legs. Uh, they're terrifying. They're basically um, uh, many people's uh, nightmares <laughs> in some scenarios. Uh, large uh, insects, essentially. Very very large insects in many different forms. Uh, we have basically ones that are uh, maybe a giant millipede of some sort, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a uh, giant carnivorous tube worm is uh, how one is described. Yeah. A yeah. massive dragonfly, a huge, huge, huge spider, even bigger than other large spiders that are already in D&D. So, there's some uh, some serious nightmare fuel here in the many legs. <laughs> they're no joke. Definitely. Um, um, yeah. They're yeah. The 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 number one inspiration that uh, that sort of David and I had when we were designing the many legs um, was that one scene from the oh I hate the, it. It's I the crevice in about. Kong Skull Island. Oh no. And oh, it's I hate this, it. that scene with like Andy Circus getting the oh. head grabbed by the worm with the like the oh. jaw worm, and it's just yeah. It, and that was like everything about that scene, and like just the, the each of those creatures put them in plain Gia. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Like take all of like we love that stuff. Grab all that, you know, shove that into the game. Like that is <laughs> that is someone's nightmare fuel, and like that like. But it's it's also very prehistoric. I mean. It's oh, actually yeah. true that prehistoric yeah. mosquitoes were like the size of a small dog. Yeah, and you had like, you had car-sized centipedes. So yeah, you know, like it's, it's it a thing. A, yeah, and Speaking of, course, of riding centipedes, okay, go for oh, it. Here it is. waiting for her moment. <laughs> I was. I am so excited. Um, long time back, 
glunch existed um, when we were releasing things about monsters. And the glunch are these weird kind of like undead talking with people who ride centipedes and other many legs. They're so great. I love them so much. Um, they actually, uh, one, they have three little um, subtitles. Ghost Gardeners, Many Legs Riders, and Fungal Memory. Um, these guys are just, they're so good. They're so good. I love them so much. Um, I even want to really, play Glunch so bad. <laughs> I want to play Glunch so bad. I love it. When you think of Many Legs, you think of like, oh, you no, don't want, not ever, no thank you. Um, and don't you just don't you just want to have an endearing many legs? Don't you want to have one you love and take they're care of? Like a horse. They're just like a They're yeah. like a horse but with like 150 legs. Um oh. it's so joyous. It's so joyous. Oh so they my. don't have to be enemies. You can play a glunch and they won't be enemies. They'll be good friends. <laughs> to be clear, there is no glunch. PC race in yeah! but Ava really wants there to be and in theory I really you want your own glunch, your own glunch uh, PC race if anyone wants to do that you could do that but yes, I no. meant to at some point um but I just I love them basically my point here is that like many legs are super creepy and weird and kind of horrific um but so. they can also not be they like you can I think like you can use big huge bugs as friendly if it's like familiar to one of the PCs and then it's hilarious cuz there's one PC who's super familiar with the big scary bugs that Everyone's look like they're going to eat you for and everyone else is like oh my god what is going on please get me out of here yeah <laughs> and it Somewhere. says something about the the glunch that they can actually tame them because i mean most most many legs are not tameable. Like that's not yeah. A thing to, but to if you whisper sweet nothings in their ear if and you can feed actually them honey. speak to them, the whole thing about glunch is they can. Actually oh yeah, speak that is that is also which is, yeah. a, which is a very unique thing uh, yeah. because insects speak yeah, best they, language. They can, they can communicate with insects, which is uh, which is like, I think like the they are the only thing that can communicate with insects. Yeah, that sounds right. Um. But they were sort of designed to be these uh, fit into the same sort of niche as I would say, like myconids, where um, myconid kobold. Yeah, well, oh, no. <laughs> sort of, like, they're sort of myconid, like sort of in that like myconid lizard folk area, um, where they're you know they're not they're not like they're definitely not evil and i would i would hesitate to to i would hesitate to immediately to immediately like uh assume that they're evil they're they're more so uh just like incredibly shy and they live in places where other mortals just don't travel a lot they you know they live in places like the ghost mire which is you know of course you wouldn't want to go there it's full of you know like haunt it's haunted well, ghost gardeners they're peaceful and friendly they're not. They, um, the ghosts are friendly to the glunch. I'm joking. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but my my one closing thought about that, and 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 you sort of uh, touched on it a little bit, Ava. Um, yes. Was is that there's like somewhere in Plangia there is definitely some weird thing going on with a like druid or something that has enlarge reduce and 
there's like an Ant-Man scenario where like they shrink themselves down and they like talk with the ants or, or something like that. There's there's definitely in terms of like weird prehistoric superheroes like uh like owl bear or something instead of batman oh no or yeah it's like oh, no. there there's definitely a sort of uh like there's definitely an ant-man-esque character i the glunch are crazy the many legs are crazier uh and i i don't like talking about them too much but i do definitely want to at least mention uh one of them that is just like so funny to me not not because like it's weird, but just like it makes a ton of sense to me, and therefore it's funny. Is the uh, the salt spider, uh, which is just such a such a thing. Which it's 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 amusing to me mostly because salt is obviously a, a resource, a, a currency almost uh, analog in Plangea, and uh, salt spiders literally like have like they are, they they nest in salt formations uh, among salt deposits. Um, and so there's a whole thing of like, yeah, like when people are going and like mining salt or like maybe when the party is like, oh, we can go make some money by like mining some salt. Perfect time for a salt spider ambush. They blend in to the salt deposit because they're all white. Uh, they're all, you know, uh, opaque and white. Uh, and so, yeah, there you go. Salt spider attack. That's perfect. It's the ideal party's getting greedy. Let's let's ambush them with some terrifying, massive salt spider. <laughs> Visions just... of that, visions of that scene from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's all the rocks, but the rocks aren't rocks. All the rocks oh, are like those little crabs, crab things. Yeah, yes. yeah, just like oh, scaled up to scaled up by like twenty or thirty times that size. <laughs> it's just like, perfect. Oh, no. Just crawling out of the the salt flat. Yeah, so unsettling. Oh, unsettling. Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, Finn, did you have anything you wanted to mention about many legs? Um, no, I mean, I, I understand the appeal. They've never just been like my niche and then not even like I'm weighed out by bug thing. Not, not even like a weighed out by bug thing. That's just like never vibe with them too hard. No, nothing wrong with that. Fair enough. Well, they're definitely for some people and very not for some other people. So I can understand that as well. <laughs> not even centipede on, on Cadillac. Part, the people who are not okay with that centipede Cadillac. You said centipede Cadillac. Just trust me here. Just trust me here. Centipede Cadillac. Okay. You I travel hear. in style. Sorry, there are no wheels. What what better to travel with? Yes, <laughs> you're not wrong. Take my ride. Take my ride. But it's oh my god! There's a lot of legs to put little boots on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why it's a Cadillac. You can yeah. ride a horse like a peasant, or you can furnish an entire centipede worth of shoes you've like chosen you, this is the hill you've chosen to die on yeah. <laughs> absolutely the hill you've chosen to be eaten by many legs on all right. <laughs> all right yeah fair okay well with that i think we will move on from many legs because uh they are fun and there is people clamoring for them to be used more i guess but uh we need to go back to echoes go back to uh one of our uh, Patreon post that we talked about um, that we uh, want to get back to, which is the voyage on Scattersea, uh, which is you know as you can probably imagine a a Scattersea themed uh, uh, 
release with, again, some more magic items, some more spells, and some more monsters. The same three we had before that uh, this time uh, are all uh, oceanic-themed or island-themed or water-themed, which we found to be a very fun uh, area to be able to create with. Uh, I will read for you, the, the again, the uh, little elevator pitch at the beginning of the doc. The waves of Scattersea never rest, nor do its islands, which swim through the warm water in unpredictable patterns, shifting like the stars above. On these sunlight waves, blessed by the whale goddess Mala Longsong, catamarans surge from shore to shore, navigating by instinct and the memories of elders. Here, great beasts of the deep lurk, and every island jungle is filled with threat and promise. Those who dare to sail over these seas might encounter these items, magic, and monsters told of in this month's Echoes of Plangia. So I, um, I had, a, again, a really fun time designing some of these. Um, specifically, I, I worked on some of the, uh, the spells in this one, which was super fun to be able to work on. I also am a massive fan of our whole inspiration behind even starting to do this, uh, this Echo for that month that we released it, which is basically Moana. I mean, oh my god, yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah, this was like, like Moana, Moana the expansion. Like, it's like Moana, but in D&D. Let's do yeah. that. Like, oh, okay, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's what David originally had in mind when he was thinking of Scattersea, when he when he did, thought of and, and originated Scattersea in the first place. And we just took that and ran with it for this one. I mean, we couldn't couldn't get any closer if we tried with some of the inspiration here, for sure. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, things that you're using, uh, weapons to fight creatures of the depths. You've got uh, kind of magic to do with the elements and the water. And you've got monsters beneath the deeps that are coming up to attack you. You've got these crazy huge, uh, you know, crustaceans and whales and all this other insanity, which I'm super into, by the way. Um, we got to talk about some of these monsters, Dan. I'm a huge fan of specifically uh, two of them, which are very, <laughs> certainly very, very fun. Um, but what should we start off with here? Who has a uh, uh, one they want to talk about from this doc that we can uh, highlight as one of the uh, one of the fun uses that we uh, came up with here? I think. I, I and I don't I don't speak for for everybody on this, but uh, despite my, I I made a few. Uh, well, we we all collaborated to make quite a few like very uh, powerful magic items. But uh, my favorite is still the finned dart, uh, <laughs> which is a. It's not Finn's it, dart. It's the finned. Not the quite. Finned, yeah, the finned dart, uh, where you you throw it, and uh, as it you 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 speak the command word, you throw the dart. And uh, in midair, it uh, it transforms into a shark, like just like a live shark, uh, and, and bites and, and bites oh, the target. Um, oh, that's glorious. If yeah, you know, if it's out of the water, the shark transforms back into a dart, and then the dart falls to the ground and becomes ordinary. But if you throw the dart while underwater, um, the shark is just it's it's just it's just a shark it's just it's an actual create, shark created a shark now <laughs> um yeah it's the shark is in your pocket yep yeah, the hungry the shark is hungry and is hostile to all nearby creatures um <laughs> hilarious 
yeah so uh, it's a fun one. uh that's my that's my favorite one just because uh yeah. in addition to being a, a very uh solid and usable magic item in its own right it's also just it's hilarious just shenanigans I mean, yeah definitely shenanigans absolutely yeah that's really fun another one which uh another magic item that uh in the similar vein of, of finn highlighting the uh, bucket of endless ice from last time it's another fun common uh magic item here which is the refunders read uh this one basically uh allows you to breathe underwater only to a distance only to a certain distance um which is basically uh the um the piece of what, what is it a piece of straw or bamboo or something that yeah it's yeah it's essentially uh, yeah instead of or something that would yeah breed. instead of a instead of a, a massive bamboo reed which you could use to sit in like a riverbed um it's like a little it's a little uh essentially like a little reed mouthpiece that you you put in your mouth yeah. and uh you can breathe up to you can breathe underwater up to depths of 90 feet so you can't yeah. go too deep but for like uh for like doing like shallow uh like dives into like reefs and stuff it's uh yeah. it can be handy yeah makes sense and again this is definitely something that would be used by plenty of divers in the whale clan or just other random tribes around uh the the scatter sea anyone around there like you'd think they'd have at least a couple of these that either they could give to you in in tribute or something or some other uh you know as a, a tiny reward it's just a fun thing to be able to have yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> Good one. Um, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about then uh, one of the spells that we made for this, which is a very fun one. Actually, we put a, a solid amount of spells into this uh, month's Echoes. Uh, I, in particular, uh, have one that I had a really fun time designing, and I'm not even sure if it's good, but it's a very interesting one, especially for people who uh, suffer from this. Uh, it is called thalassophobia um if you don't if you aren't familiar with that word uh it is the you know scientific term for having a fear of the deep ocean um and uh this uh this spell is a it's a fifth level illusion spell uh you guess it on one creature you basically make them think they're drowning <laughs> is the effect that it has on them um they they if they fail the the in save they believe that they're drowning um, which is, for some people, uh, a absolutely terrifying, uh, you know, uh, thing that you don't would never wish upon them. It's really um, sadistic. And so I think you might even want to be a little careful uh, if you're going to be casting this. At least on, if you're a DM going to cast a spell on your PCs, you want to be careful that you don't want to trigger someone's actual fear of the deep ocean. And this one, that would be kind of unfortunate. So maybe ask them beforehand before you cast a spell on them. But um, it is it is an, it, a, a crazy kind of like very kind of sadistic thing to cast on someone, but it it literally makes them blind uh, because they believe that they are underwater in the darkness of the depths and not able to see anything, and it makes them believe that they're out of breath uh, and suffocating, so they can't uh, speak or uh, perform verbal components or do anything like that. They also uh, their mind is convincing them that they're drowning. So if the spell remains on them for a certain amount of time, uh, then they drown. Uh, they believe that they should fall unconscious from drowning, and therefore they fall unconscious from drowning. Uh, the spell is that convincing for them. Yeah, uh, but of a... course, that would require several rounds of them failing saves, so that's not going to be necessarily a thing that happens every time. But 
just a fun rider on that mind yeah. over matter yeah, yeah definitely exactly. it's it's a really nice uh, just in terms of you know putting aside uh you know sadism and how sadistic the spell is in terms of like <laughs> literally scaring someone to death um it is uh illusion spell it, it's an illusion spell which is nice because there there aren't a lot of illusion spells that are uh that sort of establish control and can be harmful to that degree even when you get uh, up to the higher levels yeah there's like one or two even but you, most of those aren't actual like going to harm someone they're like some tiny little thing that doesn't actually do much yeah so it's a it's a nice it's a nice addition to the sort of the 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 illusory spell repertoire because um most of the other spells that do uh, comparable levels of control are primarily enchantment and uh, sort of giving giving the illusionists among us uh, a chance to sort of have that, you know, be able to tap into that kind of control without feeling like they're breaking away from their theme is uh, is nice. Yeah. What are you an illusionist, Dan? Do you have something to say? Have you been what? putting us under a spell this whole time? You said Maybe. illusionists among us. Dan is an illusion. My gosh. That's, that's pretty uh that's pretty sus. I oh, I I don't <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. So I'm cutting that um, out. That's yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I do it. I agree. <laughs> but um, um yeah, I think it's a fun spell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had fun making it. It's probably not fun for the people suffering from it, so I'm sorry. But um, don't be sorry. That's the, the whole part. It's the sadism. It's the whole point. It's the whole joy. That's the whole joy of. Oh, yeah, hmm. I guess. All right. <laughs> the the joy of sadism. You okay? The joy of sadism. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really am. Sequel to the joy of painting. Oh boy. Okay, so I will have a shift gears a little bit and go back to Dan being able to talk about some of his monsters. But no, maybe some other people can uh, say what they like about the, some of these two, if you if you'd like. Uh, but I want to talk about the Depth Reaver because it's hilarious to me and it's okay. awesome. Uh, right. You don't get many gargantuan swimming creatures very yeah. often. Like. Yeah, um, this a was <laughs> very, very big fish. Um, really, really huge whale. Uh, the Depth Reaver, yeah. my idea behind it was like... Um, it was almost... It was, it was inspired by like uh, those scenes from... Oh man, uh, those scenes from like the the first uh, the first prequel movie of Star Wars where they're down in the little in like the little little like always summer a them. Fish. There's always a bigger fish. The planet so. core you're talking about. Okay. No, yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> and um, just the idea of like these like massive like sea creatures down there that are like covered in these like these really thick chitinous hides and there's like just these like armored fish um and and there is an there is an armored fish um but sort of armored the armored fish aside because uh, that was a an actual prehistoric creature um yeah. that there is a uh, there's an equivalent to in this in this installment yeah, we've, got a, but, we've got a rock jaw here too um but, but the depth reaver was essentially like uh just like a, a like a a, a orca on steroids so like what it what if a whale but actually strong so that it's dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah there's like a couple whales that have been printed i think yeah there are a few whales that aren't really incredible or that aren't sort of don't uh 
get up into those higher uh challenge rating levels yeah. where you can start to use them to uh actually like pretty challenge pr- pretty effectively challenge your higher well, tier parties and not just a party like just fighting the party themselves but like a ship <laughs> like yeah yeah make, this thing could crush your ship definitely um yeah so the a few of the just design philosophies generally like a bite with the swallow the tail all that stuff is pretty interesting but my favorite one oh, and the one that really feature. sets it apart is the Hell crushing yeah. breach which is um it moves up to its speed and then it basically rises out of the water and it, it does this big breach where it flips over and because flop. yeah and because its body is just like covered in this like almost like irons like this like iron stone chitin armor it just smashes through anything that it lands on so um i just you know it's just like this this mental image of this thing just breaching and just like more or less just cleaving a ship in half yeah and then just like disappearing down below the waves um i'll read one line from that which is a creature that chooses not to be pushed or does not have the space to be pushed suffers suffers the consequences of a failed saving throw as the reaver's bulk is too great to avoid otherwise. Yeah, it's it's just it's Great so money. big. There's so there's big fish. If you if you don't move, there is no getting out from under it. You like you have to you have to go. You have to move. Um yeah, yeah a, a truly uh a truly enormous a truly enormous whale. Uh <laughs> which is is the kind of deep sea craziness that we like to see in yeah especially yeah, primordial plain gs stuff i mean you can't you can imagine that like at a certain point there's not going to be any any many at least many predators for this thing so it's just going to keep growing like you well, know they're yeah, going to keep evolving and, to get and, bigger and bigger and bigger. yeah and it's the sort of thing yeah. where like i there's a point at which you have to think about like fantastical ecology it's like all right sperm whales are eating giant squid then what the <laughs> hell is eating like aboleths and krakens and it's yeah. like the, the these like pat like pods of uh pods of these these massive like armored whales that are like truly truly like at this point like more monster than whale yeah and they're literally not a beast by the way no, it's no, a monstrosity <laughs> following falling yeah we don't want any druids to be able to turn into this so yeah that's yeah, not yeah. gonna happen sorry no. sorry druids you don't do to have fun again but you know, it's necessary. It is. <laughs> it's necessary. So, um, actually, keeping on the the uh, monster train, monster train. That's definitely a thing. Um, for a moment, uh, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, another golem that I teased earlier. Um, that uh, we wrote in this one, which was the reef golem, which is really I think called a coral golem, but either way, it's it's a coral reef golem basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all about being extremely sharp because if you didn't know. Coral is actually can can really cut you. Yeah, it's actually a thing. It's it's it can be very sharp. Yeah. So the reef golem is, uh, you know, there there is an entire there is an entire world under the waves in Plangea. You know, and, and there are there is there is ample space and ample freedom for you guys to are you know to to run an aquatic campaign that takes place entirely beneath the waves of the Scatter Sea. And um, one of the things that happens when you sort of run those types, when, when you run those types of campaigns, is that, like, uh, you know, you're not going to have, like, an iron golem underwater, and you're probably not going to have, like, a flesh golem underwater, or even, like, a, a clay golem, right? So It's just going to melt into 
dust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's just not something you'd find on there. But realistically, it, it it's not like they wouldn't have materials to make golems out of. Like that, I don't know. That that doesn't jive with me. So, um, the the reef golem, which is sort of this this like hybrid of of yeah construct, but also sort of part plant. And they you know they they do have they are constructs in the sense that they have been built but there are you know they are still you know made of coral which is you know in some regards uh sort of still alive so um that is reflected a little bit in the stat block and it's sort of not it you know it's it's part construct part living thing it has a uh it has this sort of uh regeneration feature that allows it to regain hit points so long as it's in salt water um which is which is a neat thing and that that's another thing where you can sort of if you're fighting on a shore there's an option to sort of alter the pitch of the battle so it's like okay how do we how do we draw it out of the water can we like pull it out of the water like what are our options here um and i think that that's an interesting avenue um Far striker barbarian throws it out of the water. Yeah, hurl oh, the geez. grab the golem and hurl it right out of the sh- right out of the water. It, it right will literally hurt you if you do that. Yeah. Cut up your hands real bad, but yeah. it's worth no. it. No, yeah. As as someone who has as someone as a uh, as someone who does used to dive recreationally and has slashed up his hands on both coral and on. Uh, it's called ironstone, which is like the rocks and the, the, all the hard rock that has been like eroded by the waves until it's like pretty porous and sharp. Ouch. Uh, yeah, it, it all that stuff gets remarkably sharp. Uh, speaking speaking from experience, Ouch. speaking <laughs> speaking from pain. Um, Fair, but yeah. So that was yeah. that was uh, well, that, that was fun to make, and hopefully uh, that sort of sort of just expands on the idea that like really. Golems can be made of any yeah. material that you can find in nature, uh, especially in Plain Chia. Yeah, absolutely. Once I again, golems are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. Use them more, please. <laughs> uh, make use of their power, for sure. Um, all right. Is there... Uh, Dan, did you want to talk about uh, another of these spells or highlight one of them for anyone to talk about? Um, or the... I just want to make sure some point that we talk about the hermit but we'll yeah i mean we, we can i can that. i can talk about the hammer claw and the hermit right now so mm-hmm. i can i if if we don't want to talk about any of the other myriad of magic items that is available in this yeah, uh true. In this there's a lot in this that we won't be able to cover all of we're just yeah there is a couple yeah actually <laughs> going through the dock now this is a content we actually yeah. we actually got a lot in this one yeah we, we really there's a lot here um um then let me actually talk about one or two spells, and then you talk about the Hammerclaw and the Hermit. Yeah, we'll yeah, no problem. Uh, our discussion about these echoes with you talking about the Hammerclaw and the Hermit. Um, great. Uh, so I had a couple spells in here uh, that I really thought were were fun, not just because you could use them underwater or something, but also because they're kind of evoking, um, like we were talking about with the the ice hook peaks one kind of evoking the element of hey what if i had like a water mage like what if i had a guy who can cast like you know um what's the it's like tidal wave there's a like a tsunami spell but then like again 
there's not spells at every level that can kind of let you evoke that true power that let you like feel like a mage of that particular type. And so I felt like I wanted more of those in here. Um, so I had particular ones that I was really into. One of them is just a first level spell called Riptide. Um, it's actually uh, not very common for a first level spell to kind of all, be all about a control, but um, it's basically entirely uh, battlefield control. It's it's um, I'll read most of it here. It's probably not too bad to do, uh, but it's a thirty foot cone uh, out from yourself. Uh, you cast it, and it basically says that you um, just sweep them all away from you. <laughs> um, that they have to make a strength saving throw, and if they fail, they're all fall. They all fall prone and are pushed back until they're thirty feet away from you. Um, and it just for me, it kind of evokes a little bit of that. Like, okay, here's just like kind of like a waterbender. Imagine from Avatar: The Last Airbender, how how they just be like, okay, we're like controlling the fight. We're like moving people how we want them to move. We're kind of like you know having them be taken by surprise by the water as it kind of you know slips under slips under their legs and takes them by surprise. Uh, and so that was a fun thing that I tried to evoke with that spell there. And it is an evocation spell, actually. But uh, yeah, just having that kind of little bit of battlefield control, which I can imagine wouldn't necessarily be something everyone would take. But for those people who really want to evoke that sort of sense of controlling the, the tides, controlling the water, controlling the battlefield as well, um, I thought that was a super fun thing to be able to do. Yeah, hydromancy one... is... Uh... Yeah. Hydromancy is sort of underutilized and underexplored, and I think uh, yeah. it's just it's just such, thematically and like just flavor wise and like just aesthetic wise, like it's it's so cool. Yeah, um, it's a great one. You know, harnessing harnessing the powers of the ocean, harnessing the powers of rivers and waterfalls. It's a uh, fun one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's some subclasses in the game that I think already kind of evoke that a little bit. I mean, there's a yeah, sea sorcery or something. Yeah, yeah, sea sorcery right? or like storm like sorcery and and yeah, you know that that oh, definitely storms. all yeah, and that and those help sort of help evoke that and sort of hit hit that flavor. But yeah, but for know, people I, that don't want to have to pick a whole subclass, even though sometimes these these can uh, help. Um, yeah, fill that out. Meanwhile, yeah, I think um, that a low level control spell is also pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't are, it doesn't really exist much most of the yeah, time, there aren't right? A lot like, of those, yeah. yeah, so that's part of why. Yeah, and 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 frankly, strength saving throws are very unusual in terms of control spells, and yeah. just in terms of spells in general, it's a, it's a very underused, um, a very underused uh, save. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to spell casting, so adding a bunch of them, or add, you know, adding a bunch of spells that that do include strength saves, uh, is. I think pretty interesting because it's just it's something that it has not been as explored by yeah. by the spells that are in the player's handbook or in uh you know in Tasha's or you know any uh, the other the other uh content books that yeah uh, Wizards of the Coast has released. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to evoke more here and kind of give some more options here. There's some fun other little ones in here I'll just briefly mention that um we basically had a spell that's uh the essentially the spell gaseous form uh but it's called aqueous form um so if you if you know gaseous form uh it's it's that but for water <laughs> um, which has its uses um it's definitely a little bit worse and so it's actually a level lower uh it's only second level instead of third but um but it's like you know you're basically a puddle 
you, you, <laughs> you turn, turn into, into a, a puddle, puddle. <laughs> which wow. I thought was really stupid, but fun at the same time. I also made one, if you're familiar with the uh, investiture spells, they're called investiture of the like cold or something, investiture of ice and flame and stone yeah. and wind. So now I'm looking them up. Ice, flame, stone, and wind. So they have like cold, fire, stone, and wind. And I'm like, how is water not one of those? <laughs> How the hell is water not one of those? So I made a, a, a basically an investiture of water uh, for this one. I called it Endowment of the Waves, but it, it's essentially one of those spells, but for water because somehow that was missing. I was like, okay, come on, how do we? How are we missing that? Let's put that in there. That was just something. But yeah. Um, all right. Any other things you wanted to mention or pick up, or should we have Dan take us away with the Hammerclaw and the Hermit? Okay. I'm going to take silence as yeah, uh, I'll, I'll head on. Why doesn't he hammer at home? There yeah, you I'll, go. Oh, wow. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a segue. Bring us um, so the hammer claw is a, uh, it's a huge shrimp-like monster, uh, very, very inspired by the rainbow shrimp, which is a, uh, a, real, a real animal, a real crustacean that is living in our oceans today. Um, very very quick on these pretty brief since we do need to move along um i the, the really the main things i wanted to nail down was uh two main ideas ported or you know inspired by the rainbow shrimp was the ability to see into different spectrums of light and that is reflected in um that is reflected in sort of the hammer claws ability to sort of peer into sort of the magical weave and sort of manipulate those to produce supernatural effects. Um, and that's one. The other is, of course, the the infamous uh, the inf- the infamous like uh, strike and the punch of the mantis shrimp, um, which is, I think the most powerful the most powerful like strike in the animal kingdom. Um, but basically, it, it it's it's powerful enough to create a cavitation bubble where it hits and it creates a shock wave. Um, really, really fascinating science, by the way. Crazy if you're curious, science. If you're, stuff, if you're curious about it, go look at it. They're my favorite animal. They're so cool. It's insane. Um, it's really insane. That the the water around the punch heats to roughly a temperature that is equal to the surface of the sun. Crazy science. Go check it out. Super cool. <laughs> um, but that is a, another ability reflected in Deadly Strike, which is basically a the hammer claw just hits really hard, and a character has to make a save. And if they save, uh, if the save is goes too poorly, they just drop to zero hit points, and one of their limbs is blasted off, as determined by the DM. So um, this is definitely one of those things that is a uh, threat to higher level parties very few monsters have like save or die uh save or die um mechanics but uh this one does um <laughs> do be so be a little careful with it uh i wouldn't throw this at like a low level party and then just like laugh maniacally as you like blast their limbs yeah. off one after another killing them to, because that's to be clear true. there are a lot of things that we as a group feel are underutilized and that's why we put them in our items or spells or monsters we're not we're not on team more save or die though yeah it's a bit not, niche. we're, don't, we're do not, not like suggesting you to put this in more stuff yeah don't we're kill, just saying do, yeah don't save or die your players because savers suck 
can feel really unfortunate. Can feel really, really bad if they just really suck a natural situation. Um, yeah. Fortunately, this doesn't actually kill you outright. It just reduces you to zero hit points, but you do lose a limb. That's the most interesting <laughs> part. The most interesting <laughs> part is that you have to deal with having a limb blown off. That my god, and and that introduces really its own it. its own challenges and its sort of its own level of of uh, absurd. But uh, yeah, so that's the that's the hammer claw, and then last but not least, the hermit who is uh, really, really unabashedly inspired by <laughs> Tamatoa from uh, from Moana, just this big He's old hermit crab, the um, shiny one. If you guys know the song, yep. Yeah, the shiny, the shiny one. <laughs> um, yeah, he's this. He's this. Uh, this really, really huge hermit crab named, you know, aptly named the hermit. Um, has this like a uh, like shimmering reflective shell um, that protects it from spells. Um, it can sort of it manipulates its lair. And it can cause like uh, you know it can spit water and and claw slam and do all the other crab stuff and and spit you know spit brine and acid um you know it can it can make uh like these like anemone colonies grow in its lair and uh cause the coral coated surfaces along the walls and ceilings to become jagged sharp um but sort of most interestingly and this is the part that really makes it fun is that it's like the hermit resides in the heart of some labyrinthine, uh, some like labyrinthine, like coral reef that is just so huge, uh, somewhere in the Scatter Sea. And you can sort of, you have lots of creative liberty with where you put that and like where you, you know, where this thing exists. And, um, it is sort of like that, sort of, uh, it has the same influence as like a dragon level threat in terms of being this, like, it's not actively going out and, 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 like terrorizing people but it, it is this this very dangerous thing that exists in this very large coral reef and um it, it knows things it knows a lot of things uh knows many many secrets about the oceans things that maybe even like mala doesn't know so if you can you know bring it gifts and you can sort of coax it into having a conversation um it is one of those monsters, sort of a unique monster that you can, that like you might be able to go to to discover certain uh, information that would otherwise be unavailable. If you're trying to get information regarding a certain quest line, or there is, you know, you want to you want to make that a, you want to make that like a side plot or or a route that players can take to, uh, sort of go through this process that is sort of a tense negotiation that doesn't necessarily have to end in a fight. Um, and that's sort of, that's sort of the hermit. It's this, uh, you know, this like this recluse that will trade, uh, your gifts and shinies in exchange for, <laughs> uh, information that like only it knows and no one really knows how it knows, but it does. Perfect. Yeah. That's a fun one. And I just I just love the image of, hey, that's a really interesting, weird character. That's now a monster. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. Um it's it's such a fun thing to be able to do, for sure. Um but talking about uh, you know, deep sea things that maybe know a lot more than they let on, uh, let's transition to our last segment of the night, uh, which is people, places and things. 
we are going to talk about one location faction or threat from Plangea. Uh, and tonight we're going to wrap up the show with the Craven of the Kraken Coast. Um, they are the uh, totally, entirely normal, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, clans of the Kraken Coast who are definitely not um, serving some sort of higher power at all, for no, sure. No, there, there is no weird mind happening. control or brainwashing going There's on. nothing, nothing happening the there. Or so they'd have you think, for sure. Um, the Kraken Coast is actually just to the west of the Scatter Sea, I believe. Um, yeah, just uh, kind of a little inland, of course, uh, from where uh, the Scatter Sea and all the things we've just been talking about reside. But um, the Kraken Coast, yeah, is home to clans of, of mortals, of humanoids, of different uh, types of people. But uh, they're all kind of united in one way in that they are um, serving some sort of higher masters and usually uh, as with the name you, uh, you'd you think that they're serving the Krakens uh, you know actual full on full on Eldritor uh, Krakens out in the deeps but that's not all they're necessarily serving um, they're in fact uh, serving a group of Aboleths that uh, make their home in the deep of the Salt Fang, right outside the Kraken Coast. Uh, the Aboleths are known for their kind of mind-controlling powers. Uh, they're using the clans of the Kraken Coast to uh, meet their dark intentions. Uh, usually, I believe that those intentions are to summon Krakens, uh, is my impression at least. <laughs> they're just trying to, like, get Krakens on to uh, you know bring them inland and like basically like destroy the Great Valley as much as they can. I think this scheme is big water. Yeah, big yeah, water. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's a basically end game is drown the world. In, drown the in, world. Yeah, yeah. yeah sort of repeat. Big repeat water. Sort of great deluge. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do we think about the big water the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> What do we think about the Craven? I mean, the Craven of the Kraken Coast are like they themselves aren't even really the big bad necessarily, which I think. Yeah, is I think it's very like weird. I mean, obviously they're super weird, but like they're just so. I almost can't put my finger on them because they're not even really a threat on their own. Almost, it's like. There are these ants crawling around, but actually these ants have the power to summon bombs. Oops. <laughs> um, and so, like, really the ants themselves are not super interesting. Um, but as, like, a kind of narrative device, it's like, oh, shit. Like, we don't care necessarily about them, but oh, 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 bad. Bad things are happening because of them. Yeah, they kind of come out of nowhere sometimes or something, and you're like, oh, it's fine. Oh, wow, it's super not fine. <laughs> yeah. what, what I find interesting about the sort of the Craven cult is that they're called the Craven, but they're not they're they're not like they're not really evil. They're just being brainwashed and mind controlled, and yeah. like they're essentially being used as these extensions of the will of a 
of like a higher a higher aberrant being that has basically completely just just completely just subverted their will and just like crushed it and are now basically using them as like mind controlled puppets um and and that can be a cause for moral quandaries right because like it th these these are these are normal people you know they're not they're not like they're not really evil and they're not in control of their own actions and um you know there so there is a gray area there in like thinking it's like all right if we're going up against these people like obviously in a, in a life or death fight you know like you got to do what you got to do but at the same time it's like you know say you do take out like whatever the aboleth that is leading the clan is and and there are there are survivors but like like the imagine like if there were casualties like you have to think about like the aftermath which is like really heartbreaking right because suddenly these people get their wills back and like they their entire lives have been devoted to it yeah like, yeah it's like you know i don't even know anything outside of it yeah there's like this there's there's an aspect of having to like pick up the pieces and and figure out sort of like what happens next um for them at least and then in terms of atmosphere and sort of general sort of uh using using other characters and the actions of other characters and npcs to uh to sort of build tension or set up uh sort of feelings and themes um they're definitely like it, it, it's definitely creepy it, it's the sort of like the overly welcoming village that where like everyone is smiling like a little too much and everyone is really happy and they're all happy in the exact same way and 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 there are just there are too many like things that should be idiosyncrasies that are constant constantly displayed by everyone and like so because it's it's not really it, it's an aboleth playing at at being like a normal at, at like operating a normal mortal settlement in a normal <laughs> uh, like clan so like it's the sort of thing where it's like what's the the part that's unsettling isn't that they're like completely undetected and like they were able to perfectly imitate people. It's the fact that like they're trying to imitate people and they're doing it in this like very obviously uh, like upsetting way where it's like you're like you're all human, but you're not you're all acting like very strange and it's it's like the you're not an active threat to me, but I can't, I can't get a read on what you're doing because the way you're acting is like is not something that is like familiar whatsoever. So, um, definitely like they fill the creepy cult niche. Um, Super creepy. Like yeah, some yeah. of the some of the lines David has in here are just. Uh, I think that the <laughs> the the craven the the kraken cults or the craven cults. Um, yeah, I always get the shoe tripped up. Are definitely one of the more unsettling threats. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, there's yeah. it's one thing when it's like big dragon's gonna go eat you, but this whole like body horror mind snatching thing where it's like, oh, people who aren't in control of their own bodies is super spooky. Um, and just generally a very um I mean, obviously, it's 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 like the type of type of uh subject matter that is like, hey, we should like. Hey guys, uh, 
before we start this campaign, let me know if there's anything that you really aren't vibing with because yeah. the idea of like entire of people just having their entire lives lived out for them by other people is just super unsettling. But yeah, yeah. with that said, they are it it's like a super interesting faction this this like puppeteered death cult um where they on the surface they just look like mindless drones so people who don't who aren't in the know and the people in the know are it's it's a very small number um people who aren't in the know it looks like they're just weird they're just a weird little cult but in fact there's like a, a ton of a ton of stuff lying under the surface yeah and there can and there can be a lot of and with with the way that the, the way they've sort of built up sort of like the when a child is born they're taken to they're like taking they're taken to like the tide pool and they're like the aboleth like implants like a i think it's like a slug in the brain or something right like the uh i'm it, it's something along those lines but it's the idea that's like 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 you are like mind controlled like as soon as you are born and it's like this like it, it it does tackle that that level of like sort of indoctrination that we can see some like real world parallels to in some cases and um it's of course like, if people are uncomfortable with that you don't definitely yeah and, and yeah so and of course there are definitely some some places where you can draw some real world parallels to uh you know you know uh like cultures and religions and 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 that sort of thing um where that sort of stuff did happen um so when you are running the uh the craven cults and you want to sort of explore that you know those themes um definitely do run it by your players because it's yep. like it would be I, I can see how it would be extremely upsetting to not be expecting that out of a game and then suddenly coming right. face to face yeah. with those themes in a really uh, visceral way when you were hoping for like a, like a, a fun game with D&D that was hopefully <laughs> an escape from like yeah. your normal, you know, you, for, from everything else in your life. So, um, you know, just something to be mindful of, but you know, they are definitely, if you're going for, if you're trying to lean into that, like, primordial uh, horror part of the, sort of, the, the plain Gia experience, um, it's the Craven cults are a great spot to do it. Perfect for that. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, did we have uh, anything else we wanted to say about the Craven right now for uh, a last call on this subject? I, I think we hit all of our beats. I think that's pretty much it then uh do we have any last words on anything else we talked about this episode i know we had a lot of kind of echoes thing that mostly me and dan were kind of giving some insights onto but uh finn and ava was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about or mention? Oh, that was great um i hope that uh some people who listen to this check out those echoes and like what they see absolutely agreed ava anything else? i no not really i am so yes <laughs> I'm excited to sleep. Actually, it's past my bedtime. Oh, <laughs> that is understandable. <laughs> All right, Dan. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, not really. I hope. I hope. Uh, you know, people take a look at what is in those echoes. There's some really good content in there. Um, yeah. I'm even if you you don't go for everything between monsters, items, and 
uh, spells. I'm sure there is something for you there. Um, and it's just, it's really fun to be able to make these for you guys. Um, they're all very creative in ways that haven't, I, th I don't think, haven't quite been explored in the same way that a lot of the items in the in the, in the books have been, or like in, in you know, uh, like the player's handbook, etc., have uh, have have yeah have been yeah. designed. So sure. I'm pretty sure. Also, it's like if you pledge one dollar, and then you, I you get access to everything. Yeah, yeah so uh, just go. Yeah, that that life hack I mentioned yeah. earlier, I think five is might, might be the smallest. No, I think I think. Is it really? Let's just let Ava say one, and then if it's not, we can just make fun of her later. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing I say is ever true. So that's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. So, In Ava's yeah. headcanon, you can pledge one. But no, no, no. <laughs> pledge whatever the lowest level is, if you want, to our Patreon, um, yeah. which is literally just patreon.com slash plangia. You can find it super easy. The link will be in the show notes. But um, you, can, you can actually just literally subscribe. Uh, it will only be for one. It will tell you this is monthly or whatever, but subscribe for one month. You can cancel uh, immediately after, and I believe you'll still have access for a month. Don't quote me on that, but just subscribe. Look at some of the content we have on there. Uh, of course, download the the things that we have if you'd like, so you can keep them for yourself, of course. And then, and then, uh, if you'd like, just immediately unsubscribe because again, we don't we're not posting uh, new things on there. Uh, for now, uh, if you would like to support us, uh, feel free to keep subscribing to us. But yep. uh, we and uh, we have uh, thoughts about uh, what to do with the Patreon in the future. So yep. it, we're not going to shut it down, uh, and there will definitely at some point be th stuff coming. We don't want to promise anything yep. yet, and, but uh, and we'll be out there. We've we have talked a little bit about this, but any of the any any funds that come through the Patreon right now are currently being put towards a fund for our next project. Which, which is uh, currently in its in its very we'll talk about it very yeah, pl eventually. preliminary stages, but um, you know any funding there goes towards the next project and the next uh, the next thing we're trying to create. Which usually so. is just art funds. We're all just, we're all yeah. just suckers for art, uh, and that's pretty much all that we can focus on putting those funds to. So if you like art and you want to see more crazy cool art, feel free to stay subscribed to the Patreon. We won't turn you down there at that point. Um, but I think that is it for us for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Clan Fire. If you want to learn more about the setting, go to plangia.com or click the link in the show notes. Please help spread the word about the setting by rating and reviewing this podcast by posting about Plangia on social media. You can find each of us on the Plangia Discord server or on the Plangia subreddit. We'd love to see you there. I am Havoc. Dan is Captain Fee. Ava is chaotic good neighbor. Ayo. And Finn is Finn. Apparently we're all AOing. Ayo. Like I keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, until next time, have fun and let us know where you've journeyed to.